So last week, we studied the book of Luke, uh, Luke chapter 11 specifically, and we were talking about prayer. This week, we're going to stay in prayer, and we're going to wrap up this passage. Uh, so last week, we looked at uh, how Jesus is nothing like our friend who won't open the door. Jesus is our friend who won't open the door because the door is locked and it'd be inconvenient and I don't want to. Right, I say our friend because it's really us. We're that friend. And so Jesus is nothing like us in that way. Jesus stands ready to receive us. He stands ready to provide for us. He stands ready and able to take care of us and to meet our needs. And so we, we looked at that, and, then, and this week we're going to continue in Luke chapter 11, verses 11 and 13, through 13. And we're going to look at how far does God's offer for us to ask and receive extend? Does that make sense? So how far does this offer for us to ask and receive extend? Luke chapter 11, verses 11 through 13. What father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, who will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus, help us today as we study. Amen. Um, I want to make an observation about this passage in contrast to another passage where Jesus tells a similar uh, parable uh, before I make some observations about how far God is willing to go. Uh, in this passage, in verse 13, Luke states that the Heavenly Father would be pleased to give the Holy Spirit to anybody who asks. In Matthew chapter 7, Matthew says, How much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those he asks? And so it's not just a different translation of the word. He actually said two different things. Matthew said a very different thing than what Luke said. And so which one's true? Right? This is one of the apparent contradictions in Scripture. And I say apparent contradictions because there are very few contradictions in Scripture that can't easily be dealt with. And if you run into anything that seems really complicated, just come and ask and, and we can... We can work through it. It's, it's actually a joy because we realize that there's more going on in the text than we realize when we actually sit down and wrestle with these difficult ideas. But in, in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke, we've got the difference between God giving good things and God giving his Holy Spirit. And I think all that happened is it's as simple as Jesus, you know, it's kind of like a, kind of like a politician has a, has a stump speech and they go around and they give it in the different areas. And over here in Cincinnati, I say it one way. And then over here in Miami, Florida, I'm talking to a different crowd for a different purpose and trying to communicate a slightly different thing so that you, because you're going to hear it differently, you're going to experience it differently. I guess <laughs> it's a really bad example because uh, unlike a politician, uh, we have absolute confidence that everything Jesus is saying is true. Yes. Right? He's not lying. He's not making it up. Actually, so when, when he says something different, when he makes a distinction, he's revealing a, a, a different aspect of truth, not burying a lie. Right? So we can have confidence knowing that, that his message is true, that his message is righteous, that his message is just, 
And he's just uh, revealing a, a new aspect of his justice and of his truth to us when he does this. And so I do believe that that's what's happening in this passage. So if you've ever heard it said, oh, God gives good things. Yeah, he does. And he also gives his Holy Spirit. And they're communicating for two different purposes to two different groups of people. And even the reason the book was written was for different reasons. And so Matthew's goal is different than Luke's goal. Matthew's approach is different than Luke's approach because they're writing from different perspectives to different audiences. And so that's also at work. And so Jesus is, is so offensive. Uh, he, he comes out swinging and he's like, you're evil. <laughs> right? That's a way to win people over. Uh, so he's, he's talking and, and he's saying, he, first of all, he gives an illustration where he says, you guys won't even open the door for your friend who has need. And then he turns around and he's like, he's like, okay, so you're terrible friends. I'm not, I'm, I'm great. That's Jesus speaking, not me. And he says now, uh, he says, okay, so we're not, we're not very good at being friends. Let's, let's use an example of a father. Now, a father starts from a different, it's a different starting point in fatherhood than friend, friendhood, right? As a friend, it's, it's like you kind of got to earn my, my trust, you know, you got to earn kind of time and relationship and everything else. And, and eventually with a friend, we come to the place where we want to bless our friend. We come to a place where it's like, okay, you're good to me. I'm good to you. And so our goodness to each other increases and we call each other and we're like, hey, I'm going by Bojangles. Right? That's a good friend. He wouldn't have wasted that phone call, Jermaine wouldn't have, with somebody who wasn't a good friend. Because that would ruin a great meal. No, I'm just kidding. There's nothing philosophical there. Um, so, so the closer we get, the more likely we are to want to give, the more likely we are to desire to give, the more likely we are to be in that position where we want to bless the people that we're with. Now, a father just starts from that place. You know, I, I remember walking through the halls of, of the hospital when, when our kids were born. And, and each one of them, I was just, I want to give them the world. And walking through the hallway and just thinking these thoughts that just come from nowhere about, you know, for my daughters wanting to protect them and guide them and care for them and, and you know, serve them and show them what it's like to be loved and care for them. And, and you know, with my son, it's like, I want to teach you to knock stuff over and light things on fire. And, you know, it's like we're going to blow stuff up together and eat meat and you know but it just kind of just kind of came up in my soul with no external prompting all they had done to that point was make my wife's life miserable they made her not sleep they made her sick they made her get new allergies right each pregnancy came with a new al- i mean they made life hard my wife slept on the couch because she was so uncomfortable. So I slept on the floor like a, like a puppy next to the couch because it was weird to be in the, in the room alone. And, and so it's like, you know, it's like you did nothing but make my life awful. And all I want to do is give everything to you. Because the starting point for a father is different than the starting point for a friend. And so Jesus is giving this illustration and he says, okay, so here's this friend. You're not very good friends and I'm nothing like the bad friends that you have. And he says, so let's talk about a father. He's like, if you being fathers, if you guys are evil, you're not even good friends. But as fathers, you desire to give good things. How much more will I, 
who's not like your bad friend, be desiring to do extraordinary things for you. So his starting point is already great. Our starting point was bad and we want to do good things. His starting point was great and he wants to do great things. And so he he makes this distinction for us. Now, sometimes we look at the fish that God gave us and we call it a serpent. Because it's not what we wanted or it's not, it's not exactly what we thought it would be. I talked last week about how the kids, are, are, as, as kids, we ask for the wrong thing. We want what we want because we want it. And when we don't get what we want, we get, we get offended because we feel like he's hold, God's holding something back from me. But we don't always just get upset when God holds something back from us. Sometimes we get upset when he gives us the thing that we didn't ask for. Yeah. I, I saw a YouTube video uh, somebody sent me. Uh, recently, and, and it was this kid, and they, they, they lived in a really nice house, and they had like eight cars in the driveway, and they came inside, and they were like, we bought you a car, and their son's like, yeah, I'm the man, you know, he's expecting like a Lamborghini or something, and he runs outside, and there's this junk truck sitting in the, sitting in the driveway, like, you know, just rusted, spray-painted, I mean, it's not like, I'm not, it's like a junk truck, and, and the kid's like, where's my car? And they're like, that's, that's it right there. And he was so mad. He got out. I don't know what he got. There was something in the, I don't remember clearly, but there was something in the back of, the, uh, in the back of this truck. And he takes it out and starts smashing the, the, the truck. He starts attacking it because he's so angry that his parents gave him something awful. They gave him a fish. The boy's character exposed that he didn't actually need a Lamborghini. His character is not ready for a beat-up truck. And his parents were aware of this in this well-to-do neighborhood, in this well-to-do house with the means to do so. You could have given me something great. You're going to give me this piece of junk truck? And sometimes we respond to God the same way. I prayed for a husband and all you gave me is this piece of junk, man. (laughs) I prayed for a wife and you gave me this piece of junk, woman. Now, I hope to God you wouldn't say that out loud. (laughs) But we say it in our hearts. We say it in our hearts. You gave me this piece of junk job. You gave me this piece of junk house. You gave me this piece of junk car, this piece of junk whatever, fill in the blank. And we, because we think that what we deserve is, is different. And God gives us exactly what he knows that we need. Or sometimes we recognize that it's a fish. We just wanted a bigger fish. <laughs> That's all. You ever gone to a restaurant and you get a small serving and you're like, oh. <laughs> can I order two entrees? But you never can because you spent more money on the small stuff, right? And so you're just kind of stuck. You're like, that's, it's like, I can't, I, I spent more money on small food. Spent more money, or spent less money, got big food. That's what it feels like. So, so sad. <laughs> I'm having a moment. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we feel that it's, that, that it's this way. God, I wanted more than just this little bit of fish. He's like, trust me. The trust that he'll provide our daily bread is, is nested in the prayer that we covered in week one. 
So there are different kinds of gifts. There are gifts that uh, require nothing of ourselves, some of ourselves, or all of ourselves. Uh, a guy I work out with uh, was in a new relationship last Christmas. And um, he's still in the relationship. It's just not as new. Just, you'll see why. Uh, and, he, and he was telling me about what he was going to, I was like, so are you guys exchanging gifts or not? I was like, man, I would have waited till after Christmas. So, he, <laughs> you know, you don't have to give a gift. Now you got to f- figure that out. And he's like, no, 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 we're going to give gifts. Okay, great. And so he had this plan and he's like, I'm going to give her all these really good things. And he was going to, he, he was going to drop some serious cash. And I was like, man, that's inspirational. You're like going at it. Great. Good for you. So after Christmas, I check in, man, how'd it go? What'd she think? She goes, hey, well, she liked it. Just liked it. Well, uh, how did, well, what did she give you? Well, she made this thing for me. And, and she like, she's really into Etsy or Pinterest or something, and she made him something. And it was just for him, and she spent hours working on it. And he, he, was, like, he was like, I spent a lot of money. But like, she put a lot of effort into this gift. And, you know, it's funny because while his was really glitzy and makes for a great Facebook post and maybe a good picture, it cost nothing of the substance of himself. But the gift that she gave took effort and creativity and time and effort. She gave of herself. He gave of his stuff. And he realized that she actually gave the greater gift. You with me? So, you know, there are gifts where, where it, doesn't, it doesn't even get close to our heart, and we can be kind of flippant with it. You know, that's the, that's the change that you give to a homeless person. If they ask for if you give change to a homeless person, or it's the change that goes in the red bucket at Christmas, right, with Salvation Army. That, it didn't cost you anything. It was just going to end up in a drawer anyway. You don't have grand plans for that. It didn't take anything. Then there are gifts that start to get into who you are, and it starts to become something of who you are. It could be a certain money point. It start, you start to feel it because you're sacrificing other things that you wanted to do. Or it could be time, or it could be effort, or it could be pain. But we hit this threshold where it's like, now I'm starting to give up myself. But then there's this gift where you give all of yourself. And that's the gift that Jesus is talking about right here. Jesus says, how much more would our Father in heaven Be pleased to give you the Holy Spirit. Now, when Jesus offers the gift of the Holy Spirit, he's offering himself. And and because the Holy Spirit is one of the Godheads of the Trinity. Now, I want to talk for just a moment about the Trinity to set up the rest of the message. But the Trinity is um, not a term that we find in Scripture. But we do see that the Trinity, that God the Father... God the Son and God the Holy Spirit all uh, are given uh, sovereignty and divine attributes in Scripture. And so because the Bible says that there is one God, but then we see these three different people receiving, uh, receiving divine attributes, we've got, we've, we've got to wrestle with it, right? And so what we figured out, because of the way the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit work with each other, because in Genesis it says, let us make man in our image. Right? So there's something happening here with this plurality. And so God existing in, the, in, in his triune state, uh, he, he's existing there as three persons in one. 
And so we, we wrestle with that. So I just want to give you a quick definition of who the Holy Spirit is and why we believe that the Holy Spirit is also as much God as Jesus is, as much as the Father is. You with me? Um, first of all, uh, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is not an ambiguous force. He's not a power to be harnessed. He's not a fleecy white cloud. He's not a ghost. Uh, he's not a concept. Uh, he's not just a gift. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's the, it's the third person of the Trinity. It is a person who possesses a will, who possesses emotions, and uh, possesses uh, intellect. He's God. And God, with all the attributes of the deity, he is the third person of the Trinity, which makes him co-equal with God the Father and God the Son. In short, the Holy Spirit is God. Um, in terms of the Holy Spirit, one of the passages that I love the most about the, uh, the evidence of the Holy Spirit being God is when Jesus promises in John chapter 14, 16, he says, and I will ask the Father. So Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. And that counselor is the Holy Spirit that gets sent. Who gets sent? And um, there, I'm here for a period of time. And hopefully in our time together, I can be an encouragement to you and you can be an encouragement to me and we'll grow together and we'll laugh together and we'll work together, we'll minister together, we'll run together, we'll challenge each other, we'll fight together, we'll fight together. So it was supposed to sound different. I meant one will fight with each other and one will fight like next to each other against other things. So, but we'll, we'll do those things. But I'm here for just a moment and the people in your row are here for just a moment. You're not here forever. As much as some things feel like forever, it's not. I mean, we're only 20 minutes into this message. <laughs> like, when's lunch? All this Bojangles talk <laughs> has me distracted. Me too. Right? So we've got, we've got this, uh, but there's one person who can be anywhere forever. And that's the person of God. And so when Jesus promises this helper that's going to be there forever, he's saying, hey, I'm going to take away all your sins and I'm going to vanquish all of death. I'm going to conquer death. I'm going to make it possible for you to come to life. And I'm going to send, the Father's going to send someone who can be with you forever. He's saying, hey, and the Holy Spirit's going to come down and dwell with you and be with you because God desires to be close to you. And that's why I've got to do what I've got to do. And so Jesus is going to go and he's going to suffer and he's going to die on the cross and he's going to rise from the dead so that the Holy Spirit can come and dwell among us, so that God can dwell with us and in us. Okay, so this is the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do, um, well, for, first, I, I guess I got to answer the question, right? So how far does God's offer extend for us to be able to ask and receive? It extends all the way up to even himself. The greatest gift that there could ever be. All of himself. If we ask for the Holy Spirit, God would be pleased to give it to us. If we ask for God to draw near and to consume us, he would be pleased to, to draw near and be close to us. I know sometimes we think that a car would be nicer. We think that the promotion would be better. We think that that relationship would be worth more because, because it's, it's immediate. 
But the reality is he's offering us the greatest possible thing. Because as much as I joke about a food changing my life, like banchan chicken, whew, <laughs> it can't transform my life. It can't change my life. It tastes good for a moment. And so God's saying, hey, look, Everything up to and including myself, I'll give to you. Because I start from a position of desiring to bless you and to be close to you. And so if, I, this has been the question on my, on my mind all week. What if we took this seriously? Like what if we, what if we took him at his word? Like what if John Bunn didn't take Jermaine seriously? Jermaine calls, hey, I'm, I'm at Bojangles, man. I'm going to hook you up. John's like, shut up. People don't hang up phones like that anymore, do we? <laughs> boop. They don't beep either. But Right? If John had reached out and said, hey, or Jermaine had reached out and said, hey, man, I want to I pick up these Bowberry biscuits. And, and, he, and he, he was met with, well, how do I know? That you're being serious. I don't believe you. There are no bowberry biscuits within 30 miles of me. I'm looking online. I can see that it's not true. So since I can't see it, you must not be able to do it. Then hung up the phone. Or like, what if he just allowed it to stress him out? Should I do it? Should I not do it? Should I ask for it? Should I not ask for it? I like their sweet tea. Oh, I shouldn't ask for the sweet tea. Maybe I should only ask for the chicken. No, just the biscuit. Because certainly he can't carry all three things. Maybe Jermaine doesn't have enough money to, to like get me two pieces of chicken. Should I ask for my friends also? Right? But I think oftentimes we treat the promises in scripture the same way. We don't, we don't take it seriously. We don't, we don't actually, like what I'm saying, what Jesus just said is if we ask for him, he's pleased to give himself to us. The, the creator of the universe is pleased to come and dwell among us. Our creator who knows how we should be best functioning desires to come be with us if we would just ask. You know, I, I was uh, talking to, to Keith and JC this morning. And in Second Chronicles, we see God crying out to his people. He says, if my people who are called by my name would just turn from their wicked ways, run from that junk that entangles you. If they would repent, if they turn from their wicked ways, if they would pray and seek me. Then I would heal their land. God is sitting here starting from a position of desiring to heal the land. But the people aren't desiring to ask for it. God is desiring to give us his Holy Spirit. To draw close by his Holy Spirit. If we would take his offer seriously. I wonder what would be possible for us. I wonder what would be possible for you. That's what I mean by us. I mean, like you. What's possible for you? What thing is, are you stuck in in your life that, that could be overcome? If we would take him seriously. 
What marital difficulty could be overcome? What parenting difficulty could be overcome? What relational difficulty could be overcome? What job difficulty could be overcome? If we would ask. Now, it doesn't mean that if we, if we ask, he takes the problem away. It, it, he, he didn't say, I'd be pleased to just take away all of your problems. But what he's saying is, I'd be pleased to come and be with you. And I'll be close to you through all these problems. So these, these are the things, these are some of the things, not exhaustive in any way. It's not a lesson. It's not a... Um, a theological treatise, right, on, on the Holy Spirit. But as I was praying about the things that are, are available to us, if we would take this offer seriously, these are the things that I see the Holy Spirit being willing and able and pleased to do in us. The first is that the Holy Spirit brings transformation. I think I called it change for the sake of alliteration, right? Change, clarity, comfort, and confidence. So this idea of change. The transformation that occurs by the Holy Spirit is, is one that is much like peer pressure. You know, you don't enter a group of people and say, man, I've got to work so hard to dress like them and talk like them. Right? If you think back to the days of peer pressure, you kind of see how people talk, and then you realize you start talking like them. I, I can tell who my wife has been speaking with based on the language that she's using. It's really funny. It's, it's, it's weird. It's, but I know the same is true for me. I can tell what I've been listening to in the week based on how I'm preaching. I'm like, man, I listened to Pastor Jim this week a lot. Or, hey, that was Pastor Brett. Or, hey, that's Dr. Rice Brooks. Right? Based on how I'm doing. I mean, like walking around today and without the pulpit, that's totally the influence of Dr. Rice Brooks. And I, we had a three-hour seminar yesterday on evangelism at, at our Chantilly location, and it was remarkable. He did a, an amazing job, but now I'm like, I'm feeling all free because he's so free. I'm like, man, let's just, let's just talk, you know? And I feel like this is completely appropriate because I was watching Dr. Rice Brooks for three hours yesterday. If I'd spent three hours watching Pastor Brett yesterday, I'd probably have my sleeves rolled down. <laughs> and I'd, and I'd you know, be sitting on a stool. No, no, it's... <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but the influence of the Holy Spirit is very much like the influence of friends. It's like your appetite changes and words start showing up in your vocabulary and ideas that weren't yours start showing up. Desires start to shift and all of a sudden, instead of desiring this one thing, you desire to do this other thing. Instead of holding on to, for, holding on to unforgiveness, all of a sudden you feel prompted, you feel motivated to forgive. Right? You feel motivated to give more. You feel motivated toward generosity. You feel motivated toward love. You feel motivated. You, you see you, you, your motivation, like cussing, happens less. Right? It moves to your mind. <laughs> From your mouth, it just it, it takes a little trip to your mind, and then it takes a little trip out of your mind. Right? But as we spend time with the Holy Spirit, he changes us. He transforms us. And it works very much like peer pressure. It starts with a regeneration of our spirit and it works itself out in our soul through a process called sanctification. Um, he also brings clarity. Have you ever 
tried to twist off a bottle cap that was supposed to be like taken off with a bottle opener? Yeah, only one person in here drinks. <laughs> We're watching you. Good job, right side of the room. No, I'm just, just kidding. I heard about those things. The ones that... No, but, but if, you, if you sit here and you try and twist something that's supposed to pop off or you sit here and try and pop off something that's supposed to be twisted, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a lot more difficult than it should be. But then when you apply the right tool to the scenario, all of a sudden it, it works great. I, I uh, replaced my dad's garage door yesterday. And um, so it took me like, I don't know, dad, 45 minutes to do most of the work. And then it took an hour and a half to program the darn thing because I had the wires on the wrong ports. You know, the garage door has the sensors and then it's got the button. I plugged them into the wrong place. So I had the button in the sensor port and I had the lasers in the other port, but the lights were on, on the sensor. So I'm like, I did this right. Until you try and close it. And then it's like, nope, you're doing this wrong. And so it just sat there and I kept, I, I went through the process maybe 15 times, just like, I was cussing mad in in my mind. (laughs) But, uh, but it wasn't, it wasn't working. It didn't work. And, and, and then all of a sudden it was like, wait a second. What if I put it in the right place? What if it's plugged into the, the, like the, the right power source? Like it had light. So it looked like the lasers worked. They had power. So I put my hand here. The laser turns off. I pull my hand back. The laser turns on. And I'm like, it, it's got power. It's lit up. It mu- I must have this right. But it was plugged in the wrong place and it wasn't functioning correctly, even though it was on. You know, some of us think that, oh, well, you know, like this is working, right? The light's on. I'm in this relationship. Like I'm going to church. I'm doing all the right things, but we're not plugged in to the right place. So we miss out on functioning correctly. Does that make sense? So all I had to do is I switched it, and then it worked right away. I was like, man, I am dumb. I didn't read the instructions, by the way, because I'm a man. (laughs) I didn't want them to think I read the instructions and couldn't figure it out. So much better than that. Anybody could read the instructions. It takes a real man to be frustrated for an hour and a half and not make any progress. It takes a real, <laughs> takes a real man to miss dinner with his family. <laughs> but being plugged into the right place, it, it offered all this clarity. It was like, oh, you mean the sensors go in the sensor port. And the switch wire goes in the wire in the switch port. Brilliant design, garage door people. <laughs> but it brought, it brought clarity when you get things in the right place. When we draw close to the, when the Holy Spirit draws close to us, clarity comes because we're finally functioning the way that we were intended to, to function. That was God's entire intent for the creation of man is that we would walk with him and be close to him, that we would know him and we would carry his name all over the earth. And then sin has separated us from him. And it's kept us from the mission because we're far from him. And when we have the Holy Spirit dwelling richly inside of us, we, we're, we're energized just like that little port. 
We're energized just like those little lasers were to be able to do the job that we were designed to do and exist how we were meant to exist. Uh, He also brings comfort. The Holy Spirit brings comfort. Now, the comfort that the Holy Spirit brings is one that transcends um, any, any person's ability to be close to us if we have a right view of God. Um, you know, Jesus, God is a God who understands suffering. And sometimes I think that we accuse God in our hearts of being far off from our pain or far off from our struggle or not understanding. And so we certainly can't somebody who, we can't expect somebody who doesn't understand to be able to draw near and to comfort us. Right? If you, if you came to me and you said, you know, I, I just broke my femur, I could draw close. Probably wouldn't say it that calmly. But I could come and I can offer a level of comfort, but I've never understood it, so I don't know exactly the kind of comfort to offer you. Exactly the kind of help to offer you, but the Holy Spirit God himself lost his son to sin. He gave up his son to sin. The Bible describes Jesus as a man of many sorrows. Jesus was born to be killed. Not born. He, he, was actually, he always existed, but he became man. Right? So he always existed, became man, and then, but to be killed and to experience separation from the Father. And he walked around with that weight. He walked around knowing what man was designed for, knowing what man was created for, and he had to walk around looking at at people who were dead and dying, who were suffering under the weight of sin. He had to look at his promised people uh, underneath the Roman government. So he comes and he brings comfort because he's a God who understands. He's a God who can draw near. Now, comfort from the Holy Spirit doesn't look like always everything's okay and so it doesn't hurt anymore. Different than that, the comfort of the Holy Spirit uh, feels, uh, it's more like the sound of of a, it's like the feeling of a cool breeze on a hot day. Where if, you, where if you pause, sit in the shade of a tree, you'll feel the breeze. And it can bring you much comfort. But as long as you're running around, you might not ever be aware of it. You need to stop and rest. And put yourself in a position where you can, you can recognize it and allow it to minister to you. The way that breeze would minister to you. And bring some relief. And then um, this last idea of confidence and authority. The Holy Spirit brings confidence and authority. There's a certain confidence, a certain swagger that, know, that comes from knowing that, you're, that God is on your side. You know, you think about, I, I love the Lion King. I should have pulled the scene. But we'll save it for another sermon. Or I could just show it like every three weeks. But like Simba is in the elephant graveyard and Simba's running and, and he gets cornered by these hyenas and there are these three hyenas and they're like, no, we're going to get you. And he's like, Row! and that's the best he's got. He's got this, Row! 
and, and they're like, ha ha, look how weak Simba is. We're going to eat you. And then, and then he opens up his mouth to roar again, but this time his father roars from behind him. And so he, he opens up his mouth to go, and he gets like, did that sound like a roar? Like a lion roar? Roar. Roar. That was powerful, right, JC? Strong work, pastor. Strong. <laughs> when, when Simba opened up his mouth, his father spoke. And when the Holy Spirit indwells us, when we speak, the Father speaks for us. Because the Holy Spirit speaks on our behalf. The Bible says in, in Acts, uh, there's, there's this promise, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So often we've made the emphasis of the Holy Spirit on the gifts of the Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Spirit himself. The gifts are a result of the Holy Spirit. We are a church that does believe that we can lay hands on people and see them healed. We are a church that believes that, that people can be uh, to the extent of being raised from the dead. I mean, like, we, we believe that blind eyes can be opened. We believe that deaf ears can be healed. We believe that, that allergies can be healed. I mean, it happened to my daughter. I was miraculously healed from viral meningitis in 2007. My daughter, Abigail, had allergies one week. Uh, Sharon uh, and her family were praying, and they were like, hey, we think your daughter is uh, going to be healed. And we had to go in for some testing anyway. So we were like, well, let's just stop giving her the allergy meds because she needs to be off of it for the, for the thing. But she went from having this terrible reaction when she was off of allergy meds to her allergy test coming back completely negative. Like in two weeks' time. Like we're a church that believes in the miraculous healing and the miraculous power of God. We believe that he intervenes in life today. We believe that. We believe that the Holy Spirit is active in us and among us today. We believe in words of knowledge and words of wisdom. We believe that he wants to share wisdom and revelation from heaven with us so that we can see Christ glorified in our lives and on this earth. And so we, we believe those things. So we believe in the power and the authority of, of Scripture. We believe in, but it's not just the big, gigantic, miracle stuff that we believe in. We also believe that the Holy Spirit gives us power to say no to ungodliness. We believe that the Holy Spirit gives us power to say no to sin. But we also believe that the Holy Spirit gives us power to say yes to righteousness. And sometimes we, sometimes we spend all our time yelling no at something. And it's like, just turn around and say yes to the other thing. You know, like, I'm not going to go to that website. I'm not going to go to that website. I'm not going to go. Just shut the computer. Just go outside. Like, say no and then say Yes. But just saying no all the time doesn't do a whole lot of good. I realize sometimes the biggest mistake I make in my parenting is just telling my, my kids no instead of telling them what to do instead. Stop bugging me. You know, stop talking to me. Stop. I'm on the, I'm on the conversation. Stop, 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 stop. We, I was going to talk to you about this, by the way. <laughs> just having a conversation. But like, I can be like, stop. I can be like, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't run. Don't hit your sister with the bat. Don't <laughs> get your feet off the table. You know, <laughs> like put your, keep your socks out of the bathroom. You know, whatever it is, right? Instead of being like, okay, here, let me instruct you on how to do this. Let me instruct you in the way of life. That's just free. I mean, I know I'm the only one that struggles with that. So pray for me. Right? And 
you know, next time you do it, you can be like, that's pastor's fault. I'd never used to do that. But, um, but it gives us, it does give us the power. It does give us the authority to say yes to the things of, of righteousness. He changes our appetite. Does it mean that we're going to be perfect? No, absolutely not. Does it mean that we're going to live without, without struggle, without, without uh, stumbling? No, absolutely not. But it means that we're going to stand up in the righteousness of Christ. I mean, the whole reason that we can receive the Holy Spirit is because of what Jesus has done on our behalf. And he did that far before we were even trying to be right. <laughs> if we were in our sin, hating God when Jesus died for us, and we can be assured that our sins are forgiven and that we have been, uh, he's preparing a place for us and that our name is written in the book of life. We have that confidence, even when I struggle, that my name is in the book of life. I have that confidence. And the confidence that I have from knowing that my name is in the book of life because of what Jesus Christ did on my behalf, I have courage to say yes and I have courage to say no. I just, I want to challenge us this week. We've got our five for five. So five minutes uh, for five days this week, read your Bible. And I want to start hearing, I want to, I want to start hearing what God's doing. Because I know, I know y'all are doing it. Terry Garrett, you are, you are my champion at this. And, and God is changing our lives as a result of doing this. Hey, but, you know, it's just a starting point. It's like the tithe, right? We should make it 10. And so we could tithe you. No. <laughs> oh, you're at 10? 10 minutes or 10 days a week? <laughs> He's probably doing both. He's doing 10 minutes for 10 days a week. That man gets more done in a day. I mean, he's done more this morning before I got the... Yeah, it's, it's, he's inspiring. Five minutes for five days this week, read your Bible. Now, two weeks ago, we prayed the Lord's Prayer. Last week, I asked you to also pray uh, bold prayers. Dangerous prayers, I think I called them. This week, what I want to challenge you to do is read your Bible for five minutes, for five days this week. And then what I want you to do is I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to come draw near to you. Ask for the Holy Spirit to draw near to you. And to do that, I mean, it takes, it takes guts, doesn't it? Because, like, if you've never prayed before, it's a, it's a little bit awkward. You, like, reading your Bible is a little bit awkward if you've never done it before. So just like read like 1 John, 1 John. Just look at the table of contents or search it on the computer, right? Read 1 John. Just read it until, you know, five minutes is up and then go back to 1 John and just keep reading it, right? You don't have to go anywhere, have some deep thing. The work of God is going, God is going to work on you as you do that. And then, and then pray and ask God to come near. Now, praying and asking God to come near, are you, you can go ahead and come up. Praying and asking God to come near is, is as simple as, uh, as simple. Actually, you know what? Let's just, let's just try it right now. Let's just get it out of the way so that you can know what it's going to feel like at home. Okay, it's going to feel as awkward as in right here. And so you could just say, Holy Spirit, will you please draw near? Like I'm in together, like you now, out loud, like you will at home. Say, Holy Spirit, will you please draw near? Now, did, like lightning didn't fall. I mean, it's like you're not looking for some huge thing, but what we're looking for is just, just kind of earnest request to the Father. God, 
I ask that you would draw near to me. And then you could talk to him about the things that you want him to do as he draws near to you. You could use these sermon points. You could say, God, I ask that you would change me and transform me, change my appetites and my desires. Bring clarity to my life and help me understand who it is that I'm supposed to be and how it is that I'm supposed to function. Comfort me, God. I exp- I'm hurting in this area. I, I, don't, I don't understand this area. Would you please give me peace? Give me hope. Give me uh, perspective in, so that I can rest in your goodness. And God, I ask that you would give me confidence. Give me confidence in the authority to say no to ungodliness and yes to righteousness. Give me the confidence to invite my friends to Easter. Give me the confidence to invite my coworker to Easter. Give me the confidence to start that small group or to try out for the worship team or to start ushering or give me the confidence to step out in faith and make this, this, this life thing. Help me share my life with others. Give me this kind of confidence and let's see if God doesn't actually start to do it. The most important of those prayers, obviously, is God giving himself to us, the rest of that being the fruit of his nearness. Amen? Amen. Jesus, we love you and honor you. God, I ask that you would draw close to us today, that you would be near to us, that you would transform us, that you would uh, bring us clarity, comfort, and confidence. In Jesus' name.